Hello and welcome to Leftist Reading, a podcast where I'm a leftist and I read things. Today we are continuing with the curriculum on Marxism and Leninism, and we're continuing through our first proper chapter, so to speak, that so far has talked about materialism versus idealism and the need for materialism broadly, but in particular dialectical materialism, as a way of evaluating the world in an ongoing basis. So let's continue. Dialectical materialist opinions about matter, consciousness, and their relationship between matter and consciousness. 1. Matter. A. Category of matter. Matter is a philosophical subject which has been examined for more than 2,500 years. Since ancient times, there has been a relentless struggle between materialism and idealism around this subject. Idealism asserts that the world's nature, the first basis for all existence, is consciousness, and that matter is only a product of that consciousness. Conversely, materialism asserts that nature, the entirety of the world, is composed of matter, that this material world exists indefinitely, and that all things and phenomena are composed of matter. Before dialectical materialism was born, materialist philosophers generally believed that matter was composed of some self-contained element or elements, that is to say, some underlying substance from which everything in the universe is ultimately derived. In ancient times, the five elements theory of Chinese philosophy held that those self-contained substances were metal, wood, water, fire, earth. In India, the Samkhya school believed that they were pradhana or prakriti. Footnote 1. In Greece, the Milesian school believed that they were water, Thales's conception, footnote 2, or air, Anaximenes' conception, footnote 3. Heraclitus, footnote 4, believed the ultimate element was fire. Democritus, footnote 5, asserted that it was something called an atom, etc. Even as recently as the 17th to 18th centuries, conceptions about matter belonging to modern philosophers such as Francis Bacon, footnote 6, René Descartes, footnote 7, Thomas Hobbes, footnote 8, Denis Diderot, footnote 9, etc., still hadn't changed much. They continued following the same philosophical tendency as ancient philosophers by following their studies of the material world through elemental phenomena. These conceptions of matter, which were developed by philosophers before Marx's time, laid a foundation for a tendency to use nature to explain nature itself, but that tendency still had many shortcomings, such as oversimplification of matter into fictitious elements, failure to understand the nature of consciousness, as well as the relationships between matter and consciousness, failure to recognize the significance of matter in human society, leading to a failure to solve social issues based on a materialist basis, etc. Annotation 57. Here are further explanations of these shortcomings of early materialists oversimplification of matter into fictitious elements. Due to a lack of understanding and knowledge of matter, metaphysical materialists created erroneous conceptions of elements, 
which do not accurately describe the nature of matter. By using such an erroneously conceived system of non-existing elements to describe nature, metaphysical materialists were prevented from gaining real insights into the material world, which delayed and hindered scientific progress. Failure to understand the nature of consciousness, as well as the relationships between matter and consciousness. Many early materialists believed that consciousness was simply a mechanical byproduct of material processes, and that mental events, thoughts, consciousness, could not affect the material world, since these events were simply mechanically determined by the material world. As a first principle, dialectical materialism does hold that consciousness is created by matter. However, dialectical materialism also holds that consciousness can influence the material world through conscious action. This constitutes a dialectical relationship. As Lenin explains in Materialism and Empirio-Criticism, Consciousness in general reflects being that is, a general principle of all materialism. Social consciousness reflects social being. End quote. Whereas early materialists erroneously held that consciousness is simply an accidental byproduct of matter, dialectical materialism holds that consciousness is a characteristic of the nature of matter. As Engels wrote in the notation of Dialectics of Nature, quote, that matter evolves out of itself, the thinking human brain is for mechanism a pure accident, although necessarily determined, step by step, where it happens. But the truth is that it is the nature of matter to advance to the evolution of thinking beings, hence this always necessarily occurs wherever the conditions for it, not necessarily identical at all places and times, are present. End quote. Dialectical materialism also breaks from early materialism by positing that consciousness has a dialectical relationship with matter. Consciousness arises from the material world, but can also influence the material world through conscious action. In other words, mental events can trigger physical actions which affect the material world. As Marx explains in Theses on Feuerbach, quote, the materialist doctrine that men are products of circumstances and upbringing, and that, therefore, changed men are products of changed circumstances and changed upbringing, forgets that it is men who change circumstances, and that the educator must himself be educated. Hence, this doctrine is bound to divide society into two parts, one of which is superior to society. The coincidence of the changing of circumstances and of human activity, or self-change, Selbstwanderung, can be conceived and rationally understood only as revolutionary practice. Philosophers have hitherto only interpreted the world in various ways. The point is to change it. End quote. Put more simply, we as humans are capable of revolutionary practice which can change the world, because our consciousness allows us to change circumstances. This is discussed further in Nature and Structure of Consciousness. Failure to recognize the significance of matter in human society leading to a failure to solve social issues 
based on a materialist basis. Dialectical materialists believe that matter exists in many forms, and that human society is a special form of existence of matter. Lenin referred to the material existence of human society as social being, which stood in contrast with human society's social consciousness. Social being encompasses all of the material existence and processes of human society. As Lenin wrote in Materialism and Imperial Criticism, quote, Social being is independent of the social consciousness of men. The fact that you live and conduct your business, beget children, produce products, and exchange them gives rise to an objectively necessary chain of events, a chain of development, which is independent of your social consciousness and is never grasped by the latter completely. The highest task of humanity is to comprehend this objective logic of economic evolution, the evolution of social life, in its general and fundamental features, so that it may be possible to adapt to it one's social consciousness and the consciousness of the advanced classes of all capitalist countries in as definite, clear, and critical a fashion as possible. End quote. Early materialists failed to recognize the relationship between matter and consciousness, as Lenin puts it, specifically between social being and social consciousness. Thus, in contemplating social issues, these early materialists were unable to find proper materialist solutions. These shortcomings resulted in a non-thorough materialist viewpoint. When dealing with questions about nature, the early materialists had a strong materialist viewpoint, but when dealing with social issues, they slipped into an idealist viewpoint. Annotation 58. Lenin explains this concept of slipping into idealism through a non-thorough materialist viewpoint in materialism and imperial criticism. Quote, Once you deny objective reality, given us in sensation, you have already lost every one of your weapons against fideism, for you have slipped into agnosticism or subjectivism, and that is all fideism wants. End quote. Note, fideism is a form of idealism which holds that truth and knowledge are received through faith or revelation. Subjectivism is the centering of one's own self in conscious activities and perspective. See Annotation 222. In the same work, Lenin upholds that objective reality can be known through sense perception. Quote, We ask, is a man given objective reality when he sees something red or feels something hard, etc., or not? If you hold that it is not given, you inevitably sink to subjectivism. If you hold that it is given, a philosophical concept is needed for this objective reality, and this concept has been worked out long, long ago. This concept is matter. Matter is a philosophical category denoting the objective reality, which is given to man by his sensations, and which is copied, photographed, and reflected by our sensations while existing independently of them. Lenin also explains that proper materialism must recognize objective-slash-absolute truth. 
To be a materialist is to acknowledge objective truth which is revealed to us by our sense organs. To acknowledge objective truth, i.e. truth not dependent upon man and mankind, is, in one way or another, to recognize absolute truth. End quote. A failure to recognize the existence of such objective, absolute truth, according to Lenin, constitutes relativism, a position that all truth is relative and can never be absolutely, objectively, knowable. Quote, It is unconditionally true that to every scientific ideology, as distinct, for instance, from religious ideology, there corresponds an objective truth, absolute nature. You will say that this distinction between relative and absolute truth is indefinite, and I shall reply, yes. It is sufficiently indefinite to prevent science from becoming a dogma in the bad sense of the term, from becoming something dead, frozen, ossified. But it is at the same time sufficiently definite to enable us to dissociate ourselves in the most emphatic and irrevocable manner from fideism and agnosticism, from philosophical idealism and the sophistry of the followers of Hume and Kant. Here is a boundary which you have not noticed, and not having noticed it, you have fallen into the swamp of reactionary philosophy. It is the boundary between dialectical materialism and relativism. End quote. In other words, while proper materialism must contain a degree of relativistic thinking sufficient to challenge assumptions and re-examine perceived truth periodically, materialists must not fall into complete relativism, such as that espoused by Hume and Kant, lest they fall into idealist positions. Ultimately, absolute truth, according to Lenin, constitutes the alignment of conscious understanding with objective reality. Not to be confused with Hegel's notion of absolute truth, see Annotation 232. Lenin recognized the development of Marx and Engels as, quote, modern materialism, which is immeasurably richer in content and incomparably more consistent than all preceding forms of materialism, end quote. In large part because Marx and Engels were able to apply materialism properly to social sciences by taking the, quote, direct materialist road as against idealism, end quote. He goes on to describe would-be materialists who fall to idealist positions due to relativism and other philosophical inadequacies as, quote, a contemptible middle party in philosophy who confuse the materialist and idealist trends on every question. End quote. Lenin warned that a failure to hold a thoroughly materialist viewpoint leads philosophers to become, quote, ensnared in idealism, that is, in a diluted and subtle fideism. They become ensnared from the moment they took sensation not as an image of the external world, but as a special element. It is nobody's sensation, nobody's mind, nobody's spirit, nobody's will. This is what one inevitably comes to if one does not recognize the materialist theory that the human mind reflects an objectively real external world. End quote. 
In other words, idealist conceptions of sensation inject mysticism into philosophy by conceiving of sensation as otherworldly, supernatural, and detached from material human beings with material experiences in the material world. The development of natural sciences in the late 19th century and early 20th centuries, especially the inventions of Röntgen, footnote 10, Becquerel, footnote 11, Thomson, footnote 12, etc., disproved the theories of classical elements, such as fire, water, air, etc., see primitive materialism, these innovations led to a viewpoint crisis in the field of physical science. Many idealists used this opportunity to affirm the non-material nature of the world, ascribing the roles of supernatural forces to the birth of the world. Annotation 59. Lenin discussed this viewpoint crisis extensively in Materialism and Imperial Criticism. Here, Lenin discusses relativist reactions to new breakthroughs in natural science, which led even scientists, who proclaimed to be materialists, to take idealist positions. Quote, We are faced, says Poincaré, a French scientist, with the ruins of the old principles of physics, a general debacle of principles. It is true, he remarks, that all the mentioned departures from principles refer to infinitesimal magnitudes. It is possible that we are still ignorant of other infinitesimals counteracting the undermining of the old principles. But at any rate, we have reached a period of doubt. We have already seen what epistemological deductions the author draws from this period of doubt. Quote, it is not nature which imposes on, or dictates to, us the concepts of space and time, but we who impose them on nature. Whatever is not thought, a pure nothing. These deductions are idealist deductions. The breakdown of the most fundamental principles shows, such as Poincaré's trend of thought, that these principles are not copies, photographs of nature not images of something external in relation to man's consciousness, but products of his consciousness. Poincaré does not develop these deductions consistently, nor is he essentially interested in the philosophical aspect of the question. Lenin concludes by stating that the non-thorough materialist position has led directly to these idealist positions of relativism. The essence of the crisis in modern physics consists in the breakdown of the old laws and basic principles, in the rejection of an objective reality existing outside the mind, that is, in the replacement of materialism by idealism and agnosticism. End quote. With this historical background, in order to fight against the distortions of many idealists and to protect the development of the materialist viewpoint, Vladimir Ilyich Lenin simultaneously summarized all the natural scientific achievements in late 19th and early 20th century and built upon Karl Marx and Friedrich Engels' thought to develop this definition of matter. Quote, matter is a philosophical category denoting objective reality which is given to man in his sensations and which is copied, photographed, and reflected by our sensations while existing independently of them. End quote. Lenin's definition of matter shows that, quote, first, 
we need to distinguish between the definition of matter as a philosophical category, the category that summarizes the most basic and common attributes of all material existence, and which was defined with the objective of solving the basic issues of philosophy, from the definition of matter that was used in specialized sciences, specific and sense-detectable substance. Second, the most basic common attribute of all kinds of matter, and under both definitions listed in the previous paragraph, is objective existence, meaning matter exists outside of human consciousness, independently of human consciousness, no matter whether humans can perceive it with our senses or not. Third, matter, with its specific forms, can cause and affect mental events in humans when it directly or indirectly impacts the human senses. Human consciousness is the reflection of matter. Matter is the thing that is reflected by human consciousness." End quote. Lenin's definition of matter played an important role in the development of materialism and a scientific consciousness. First, by pointing out that the most basic, common attribute of matter is objective existence, Lenin successfully distinguished the basic difference between the definition of matter as a philosophical category and the definition of matter as a category of specialized sciences. It helped solve the problems of defining matter in the previous forms of materialism. It offered scientific evidence to define what can be considered matter. It laid out a theoretical foundation for building a materialist viewpoint of history and overcame the shortcomings of idealist conceptions of society. Second, by asserting that matter was objective reality, given to man in his sensations, and copied, photographed, and reflected by our sensations, Lenin not only confirmed the primary existence of matter and a secondary existence of consciousness, see the relationship between matter and consciousness, but he also affirmed that humans had the ability to be aware of objective reality through the copying, photographing, and reflection of our senses. In other words, sense perceptions. b. Mode and forms of existence of matter. According to the dialectical materialist viewpoint, motion is the mode of existence of matter, Space and time are the forms of existence of matter. Annotation 60. Mode refers to the way or manner in which something occurs or exists. You can think of mode as pertaining to the how as opposed to the what. For example, the mode of circulation refers to how commodities circulate within society. See annotation 14. Mode of production refers to how commodities are produced in society. So, mode of existence of matter refers to how matter exists in our universe. Form comes from the category pair, see basic pairs of categories of materialist dialectics, of content and form, see content and form. Form refers to how we perceive objects, phenomena, and ideas. So, Form of existence of matter refers to the ways in which we perceive the existence of matter, explained below, in our universe. Motion is the mode of existence of matter. As Friedrich Engels explained, quote, Motion, in the most general sense, conceived as the mode of existence, the inherent attribute of matter, comprehends all changes and processes occurring in the universe, 
from mere change of place right up to thinking. End quote. According to Engels, motion encompasses more than just positional changes. Motion embodies, quote, all the changes and processes happening in this universe. End quote. Matter is always associated with motion, and matter can only express its existence through motion. Annotation 61. In dialectical materialist philosophy, motion is also known as change, and it refers to the changes which occur as a result of the mutual impacts which occur in or between subjects through the negation of contradictions. Motion is a constant attribute of all things, phenomena, and ideas. See Characteristics of Development. Because matter is inseparable from motion, and vice versa, Engels defined motion as the mode of matter, the way or manner in which matter exists. It is impossible for matter in our universe to exist in completely static and unchanging state, isolated from the rest of existence. Thus, matter exists in the mode of motion. Over time, motion leads to development, as things, phenomena, and ideas transition through various stages of quality change. See Annotation 117. Matter exists objectively. Therefore, motion also exists objectively. The motion of matter is self-motion. Footnote 13. Annotation 62. It is important to note that matter, in the philosophical sense as used in dialectical materialist philosophy, includes all that is objective, external, to individual human consciousness. This includes objective phenomena which human senses are unable to detect, such as objective social relations, objective economic values, etc. Objectiveness is discussed more in Annotation 108, Objective social relations are discussed more in Annotation 10. In Dialectics of Nature, Friedrich Engels discussed the properties of motion and explained that motion can neither be created nor destroyed. Therefore, motion can only change form or transfer from one object to another. In this sense, all objects are dynamically linked together through motion. Quote, The whole of nature accessible to us forms a system, an interconnected totality of bodies, and by bodies we understand here all material existence extending from stars to atoms. In the fact that these bodies are interconnected is already included that they react on one another, and it is precisely this mutual reaction that constitutes motion. It already becomes evident here that matter is unthinkable without motion, and if, in addition, matter confronts us as something given, equally uncreatable or indestructible, it follows that motion also is as uncreatable as indestructible. It became impossible to reject this conclusion as soon as it was recognized that the universe is a system, an interconnection of bodies." End quote. In other words, every body of matter is in motion relative to other bodies of matter, and thus matter is inseparable from motion. Motion results from the interaction of bodies of matter, because motion and matter define each other, and because motion can only exist in relation to matter and matter can only exist in relation to motion, the motion of matter can be described as self-motion because the motion is not created externally, but exists only within and in relation to matter itself.
Engels further explains that if this were not true, if motion were external to matter, then motion itself would have had to have been created external to matter, which is impossible. Quote, to say that matter during the whole unlimited time of its existence has only once, and for what is an infinitesimally short period in comparison to its eternity, found itself able to differentiate its motion, and thereby to unfold the whole wealth of this motion, and that before and after this remains restricted for eternity to mere change of place, this is equivalent to maintaining that matter is mortal and motion transitory. The indestructibility of motion cannot be merely quantitative, it must also be conceived qualitatively. Matter, whose purely mechanical change of place includes, indeed, the possibility under favourable conditions of being transformed into heat, electricity, chemical action, or life, but which is not capable of producing these conditions from out of itself. Such matter has forfeited motion. Motion, which has lost the capacity of being transformed into the various forms appropriate to it, may indeed still have dynamis, but no longer energia, and so has become partially destroyed. Both, however, are unthinkable. End quote. So, motion can change forms and can transfer from one material body to another, but it can never be created externally from matter, and neither motion nor matter can be created or destroyed in our universe. Thus, matter exists in a state of self-motion. Motion can never externally be created nor externally applied to matter. To put it another way, motion results from the fact that all things, phenomena, and ideas exist as assemblages of relationships. See the principle of general relationships. And these relationships contain opposing forces. As Lenin explained in his philosophical notebooks, quote, the condition for the knowledge of all processes of the world in their self-movement, in their spontaneous development, in their real life, is the knowledge of them as a unity of opposites. Development is the struggle of opposites." End quote. Based on the scientific achievements which occurred in his lifetime, Engels classified motion into five basic forms. Mechanical motion, changes in positions of objects in space, physical motion, movements of molecules, electrons, fundamental particles, thermal processes, electricity, chemical motion, changes of organic and inorganic substances in combination and separation processes, biological motion, changes of living objects or genetic structure, social motion, changes in economy, politics, culture, and social life. These basic forms of motion are arranged into levels of advancement based on the level of complexity of matter that is affected. See Figure 1, Engels' basic forms of motion in relation to matter. The basic forms of motion each affect different forms of matter, but these forms of motion do not exist independently from each other. They actually have strong relationships with each other, in which the more advanced forms of motion also internally include lower forms of motion, i.e. biological motion contains chemical motion, chemical motion contains physical motion, etc. Every object exists within many forms of motion, but any given object is defined by its most advanced form of motion. 
i.e. living creatures are defined in terms of biological motion, societies are defined in terms of social motion, etc. By classifying the basic forms of motion, Engels laid out the foundation for classification and synthesization of science. The basic forms of motion differ from one another, but they are also unified with each other into one continuous system of motion. Understanding this dialectical relationship between different forms of motion helped to overcome misunderstandings and confusion about motion. Annotation 63. In Dialectics of Nature, Engels clears up a great deal of confusion and addresses many misconceptions about matter, motion, forces, energy, etc., which existed in both science and philosophy at the time by defining and explaining the dialectical nature of matter and motion. When dialectical materialism affirmed that motion was the mode of existence, the natural attribute of matter, it also confirmed that motion is absolute and eternal. This does not mean that dialectical materialism denies that things can become frozen, however, according to the dialectical materialist viewpoint, freezing is a special form of motion. It is motion in equilibrium, and freezing is relative and temporary. Motion in equilibrium is motion that has not changed the positions, forms, and or structures of things. Freezing is a relative phenomenon, because freezing only occurs in some forms of motion and in some specific relations. It does not occur in all forms of motion and all kinds of relations. Freezing is a temporary phenomenon, because freezing only exists for a limited period of time. It cannot last forever. Annotation 64 Equilibrium can exist at any advancement of motion. Lenin discussed equilibrium as it pertains to the social form of motion in discussing an equilibrium of forces existing in Russia in 1905 in this article, An Equilibrium of Forces. Quote, 1. The result to date, Monday, October 30th, is an equilibrium of forces, as we already pointed out in Proletary number 23. 2. Tsarism is no longer strong enough, and the revolution not yet strong enough to win. 3. Hence the tremendous amount of vacillation, the terrific and enormous increase of revolutionary happenings, strikes, meetings, barricades, committees of public safety, complete paralysis of the government, etc. On the other hand, the absence of resolute repressive measures. The troops are wavering. 4. The Tsar's court is wavering, the Times and the Daily Telegraph, between dictatorship and a constitution. The court is wavering and biding its time. Strictly speaking, these are its correct tactics. The equilibrium of forces compels it to bide its time, for power is in its hands. The revolution has reached a stage at which it is disadvantageous for the counter-revolution to attack, to assume the offensive. For us, for the proletariat, for consistent revolutionary democrats, this is not enough. If we do not rise to a higher level, if we do not manage to launch an independent offensive, if we do not smash the forces of Tsarism, do not destroy its actual power, then the revolution will stop halfway. Then the bourgeoisie will fool the workers. 5. Rumour has it that a constitution has been decided upon. 
If that is so, then it follows that the Tsar is heeding the lessons of 1848 and other revolutions. He wants to grant a constitution without a constituent assembly, before a constituent assembly, apart from a constituent assembly. What kind of constitution? At best, for the Tsar, a constitutional democratic constitution. This implies achievement of the constitutional democrats' ideal, skipping the revolution, deceiving the people. For all the same, there will be no complete and actual freedom of elections. Should not the revolution skip this granted constitution? Space and time are forms of existence of matter. Every form of matter exists in a specific position, with specific space particularity height, width, length, etc., in specific relation, in front or behind, above or under, to the left or right, etc., with other forms of matter. These positional relations exist in what we call space. Space is defined by positional relations of matter. On the other hand, the existence of matter is also expressed in the speed of change and the order in which changes occur. These changes occur in what we call time. As Engels wrote, quote, For the basic forms of all existence are space and time, and a being outside of time is as absurd as an existence outside of space. End quote. Matter, space, and time are not separable. There is no matter that exists outside of space and time. There is also no space and time that exist outside of matter's motion. Annotation 65. Space and time, as the forms of matter, i.e. the ways in which we perceive the existence of matter, we are only able to perceive and understand material objects as they exist within space and time. Space and time, as forms of existence of matter, exist objectively. See annotation 108, and are defined by matter. Space is defined by the positional relations between material objects. Time is defined by the speed of change of material objects and the order in which these changes occur. Space has three dimensions, height, width, length. Time has one direction, from the past to the future. C. The material unity of the world. Dialectical materialism affirms that the nature of the world is matter and the world is unified in its material properties. In other words, the entire universe, in all its diversity, is made of matter, and the properties of matter are the same throughout the known universe. The material nature of the world is proven on the following basis. First, there is only one world, the material world. The material world is the first existence, i.e. it existed before consciousness. It exists objectively and independently of human consciousness. Second, the material world exists externally, endlessly, infinitely. It has no known beginning point and there is no evidence that it will ever disappear. Third, all known objects and phenomena of the material world have objective relations with each other and all objects and phenomena exist in unity with each other. All of them are specific forms and structures of matter, or have material origin which was born from matter, and all are governed by the objective rules of the material world. In the material world, there is nothing that exists outside of the changing and transforming processes of matter. 
all of these processes exist as causes and effects of each other. Annotation 66. The most important thing to understand here is that every object and phenomenon in the universe arises as matter. All material objects and phenomena are dynamically linked to one another in an infinite chain of causes and effects and changes and transformations, all governed by the material laws of our reality. This understanding is the material foundation of dialectical materialism. And that is going to do it for this week. If you have any questions, comments, corrections, or suggestions, you can email leftistreading at gmail.com or contact the show on Twitter at leftistreading. This show is hosted on the Abnormal Mapping Network. You can go to abnormalmapping.com to find this and lots of other leftist podcasts, as well as go to the Patreon patreon.com slash abnormal mapping and support the network there to get access to lots of bonus shows as well. Our intro and outro music is Decisions by Eric Medias. You can find him and more of his work on soundimage.org. That is all for this week. Thank you for listening and keep reading.